0: Hey, y'all, welcome back. It's the Walking Well Podcast, and I'm your host, Jalon Martz it's February. It's February and things have been popping off and going on. So um, first things first, I want to express my condolences to the families um, that were affected in Parkland, Florida. I am definitely sending thoughts and prayers and also just really thinking about, you know, the wisdom that's available to make these mass shootings a thing of the past and protect our communities and our kids and places of worship and, and schools and things of that nature. So I just wanted to take a minute and, and just acknowledge that and, and, you know, offer support, um, on a different note, slightly different note, lighter, possibly Black Panther came out this past weekend. Um, and if you haven't seen it, you absolutely must, especially if you are a person of color. Um, it is just such a big moment, for Black people, for Black history, for filmmakers, representation. It's just a huge moment. Um, it's just a huge moment. Um, it's what a time to be alive. <laughs> so it's a great movie. I've seen it once. I will see it again. I'm still thinking about all the themes and the symbolism and you know, I've been talking to friends about it and there's just so much in it. And, uh, they just did a phenomenal job. You can tell that black people were a part of just so much of the actual production and making of the film because so much was thoughtful and it's just so good. So totally go see it just spend the money, go see it. It's, it's, it's awesome. It was such a well done film. Um, hashtag Wakanda forever. Oh, so, um, this month on the podcast, we are talking about, um, what it means to be Black in America, racial, um, the racial reality of being Black in America, reconciliation, white supremacy, what does all of that mean? Um, So last week, we spent some time sort of delving into this question of why are all the Black people so angry, you know, so it was a little bit more for my less melanated people to kind of establish a a common sort of understanding that Black people in America have a very um, complicated and nuanced history and relationship with this country. And so for many, um, people, you know, America is this, you know, you know, knight in shining armor that has given us these freedoms and the greatest country on the planet. Um, but for African Americans, our history is not, does not lend itself to that. Our history is more insidious. It's definitely darker. It's littered with oppression and bodies, um, Broken homes and families. So, um, our experience, our understanding, our relationship with the country is tinted by that, tainted by that. And so, um, it, it's not just that history, it's that present reality of police brutality, of disenfranchisement, of prison systems, of discriminate application of drug laws. We have a lot of reasons to be angry about the past, but plenty enough to be angry about the present. And so just an understanding that there is a very complex, um, relationship that people of color have with this country history, as well as present day. Um, and so today, um, I did warn you guys that we were probably going to get a little bit more controversial. So today's the day buckle up might be some rough waters, rough roads, just prepare your heart. And I gave this sort of, um, disclaimer uh, at the beginning of of last week's episode, maybe the middle of the episode, but I really, if you are a person who is less melanated, who is white, and you listen, I really want to to really request um, that you would do me this favor and try to just listen. I am. I think a lot of times um, there's this this knee jerk feeling, uh, a gut sort of. I need to respond. I need to say, or I need to defend, and. I would just challenge you to try to put that on pause, try to belabor that reaction, give it 48 hours, let what I'm saying sort of simmer, ask questions and dare to be honest. You know, um, I said last week that a lot of what, um, a lot of the, the nuances of being black in America were not necessarily an indictment of the nation itself, just an assessment. Um, and so, you know, uh, this is another type of episode like that, another kind of assessment. And we're, we're drilling in. So we spoke of African Americans and what it's like to be black in America. And today we're going to be kind of talking about, you know, the church. <laughs> and so it, it hits a little closer to home. Um, but you know, like I said last week, my intention is that truth would always ride with love. And so everything that I say is motivated from a place of wanting to see us better and more whole. So, um, this episode, Kaepernick and back the blue, um, is, it gets its title from this experience that I had about two years ago, maybe, um, I was on social media and it was right after a string of like two or three police shootings of black men. Watch your, watch your knee jerk response right there. Two or three shootings of, um, black men by police who were compliant or, you know, um, in custody already. And, um, I remember seeing on social media, on my timeline, on Facebook, you know, all of this outrage from my friend, my black, black friends, brown friends, seeing all this outrage, all this frustration, all this anger, all this, all this rage about this unjust slaying of these men, um, who were compliant or, you know, detained, whatever. Um, and you know, there were all the hashtags floating around and I remember kind of in the midst of all of the noise that was happening, um, you know, among my, my black brothers and sisters, there was this silence that I noticed. It was very kind of just under the radar, but their silence, I didn't see the hashtags. I didn't see them, you know, uh, declaring, you know, this an injustice and, 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 a wrong that was committed against these people. I didn't hear anything from them. And, you know, at that time I was kind of like, hmm, maybe, you know, our circles are just different. Maybe, you know, white world and black world are, are so separated that something could be, you know, taking up, burning up the airwaves in black world and white world. It, it hasn't even made it over there. Um, but shortly after that, I think we had a, um, an incident where police officers were killed by a black man in Dallas. And immediately the timeline was flooded. It was back the blue, blue lives matter. You know, um, we stand with Dallas profile pictures were changed. Frames were put on. And in that moment I found myself feeling deeply wounded, um, and profoundly betrayed. um, Another sort of incident like that, you know, we consistently or continue to have, you know, issues of police brutality, issues of, um, you know, Flint still doesn't have water, (laughs) you know, clean water. People are still, pregnant women are still being killed by police. A Bunch of girls in DC have gone missing and that hasn't made any headlines. All of these sort of things are happening. And again, I'm aware of these things because of my black and brown, you know, people of color on my timeline who are bringing you know drawing putting light on those sort of instances and it's not necessarily that they're not big deals i just that's who I see kind of posting their outrage and talking about how upset they are you know and um i don't you know i, I again notice that sort of silence from you know the my white brothers and sisters especially my people of faith i, I notice that they're not you know they're not upset about that. They're not talking about it. They're posting about you know their kid or their dog or what's happening. You know you're not you're not seeing the the outrage at the injustice and um and I, I noticed that and then uh, and then Kaepernick takes a knee during the national anthem. And again the noise. The the timeline blows up. How dare he? What does he think he's doing? I cannot believe this ingrate. Do you realize how many people have died for you to have the right to be disrespectful and kneel? You know, there's noise where there was once silence and injustice is still happening, you know. And um in that moment, uh, my suspicions were confirmed, you know. Um you are not in fact voiceless you have prioritized and the priority has resulted in some lives mattering less than others. Um, you know, I, I know that the phrase black lives matter can bring up a lot of emotions for people. I, I've definitely heard people, you know, tout the, uh, you know, the organization is violent. I don't agree with it. And I've heard people you know, say all lives matter. And, um, you know, the interesting thing is, you know, we don't say, you know, generally, there are people that are currently saying this, but generally, we don't say white power, you know, because it's understood. We understand, one, that it's unnecessary, that everything that exists in America is upheld by quote, unquote, white power, um, the, the systems that are in place are so because of white power, it's unnecessary. We don't have to say it. It is the, it is the standard of, of reality right now. Um, we also don't say it because it historically has been an accomplice to violence, oppression, disenfranchisement and the like. So to say white power is to be, um, it's redundant in a way, but it's also sort of ignorant, Right um but i will say that i am a feminist right i can say i'm a feminist um or that black lives matter because that's a direct a direct attack on the established inherent system of oppression that stands today i say the opposite of what is right so we say you know i'm a feminist because patriarchy and misogyny are the status quo most of the time m- in many of the places right so i'm saying the opposite i'm i'm saying that right now The world is disproportionately in favor of men. Therefore, I'm a feminist. I am here for a more equal balanced distribution of power. Right now, you know, I'm against oppression of black people, of brown people. You know, it's kind of like the saying, if you have to say you're the greatest, you probably aren't. Um, And if you have to say that someone's life matters, chances are they probably don't to the powers that be. Right. Right. Um, why is this a thing that we're talking about? So what I found was most um, discouraging, disheartening was that people of faith were silent in the face of injustice. And as a believer, as someone who considers myself aligned, um, you know, with Christ, his ideals, the the, the priorities of his heart, it, it's just odd to me that um, some injustices take priority over others, that some lives take priority over others. It really just kind of um, makes me think of Paul when he assesses one of his churches and he says, this ought not be so, you know, Um, I like guess believers were supposed to represent the all encompassing um, unconditional love of God. And so for the church, for church people to side so blatantly with one side, um, to so overtly um uphold sort of this discriminate compassion was problematic for me. Um because I, I don't know if you know, but discriminate compassion is a sin, y'all. Like it's not okay. It just simply isn't. Um, you know, it makes me think of the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10. Um, you know, some Pharisees, Sadducees, They were very sad, you see, Um, were, you know, as always are trying to trip up Jesus. And one of them asks him, you know, hey, master, hey, teacher, you know, what do I have to do to be saved? What does that look like? You know, what should I what should I do? And um, Jesus goes, you know, "Okay, so you should love your your love, the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And you get the sense that um, the the religious leader felt kind of outwitted, like, dang, I tried to trip him and he got me, <laughs> you know, um, and he wants to sort of take another shot. Like, okay, let me try again. Well, who is my neighbor? And the Lord starts to tell the story of a man who was on a journey and while traveling got robbed and beat up and left for dead. And shortly after that, a priest comes by, a man of God, someone who's supposed to know God, teach others, be an example, comes along, sees the man, passes on the other side because it's not his problem. It's not his issue. Someone else should deal with it, you know whatever. And, um, then a Levite comes and these are, you know, kind of like where the priests, the the Levitical priests are supposed to come from the Levites. They are supposed to be like, okay, the Lord picks out his priests from these people. Um, and he comes by and does the exact same thing, not his problem, not his person. He's got somewhere to be, didn't have time for this and passes along. And the scriptures say, saying amplified, a Samaritan comes along, a foreigner, and he picks up the man, takes him to an inn, bandages up his wounds, you know, tells the innkeeper, hey, I'm coming back around. When I do, I will pay for everything he needs. Give him whatever he needs. Fix him up. Take care of him. I'll carry the bill. I'll foot the bill. And at the end of the story, Jesus looks at the religious leader and he goes, who, who of these men um, proved himself to be the man's neighbor? And they said, the Samaritan. And Jesus said, go and constantly do likewise. And so that's like. Jesus establishes that the other is your neighbor. The other is the person that you are responsible for representing the love of Christ to, you know, and Jesus left us his personal example in this. He didn't just take on the sins of those that he knew would be Christians. He didn't just take on the sins of the Jews. He didn't just take on the sins of, um, you know, the people that he he knew in the future would accept him. Like, no, he showed extravagant love by taking on the sins of the world, past present and those yet to be committed he bore the weight of that and so we as his representatives as christians as little christs in the earth are responsible for spreading indiscriminately the love of god and representing the character and nature of god to the world to the other first john 4 verses 20 reiterates this right it says if anyone says i love god i'm a christian i'm a believer i align my i consider myself to be you know and hates or works against his brother, he's a liar. He can't possibly say that he knows God. He can't possibly call himself by the name of God. Um, for the one who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, who is right in front of him, cannot love God whom he has not seen. It's impossible. And so the scripture is basically saying that if at, at if at God's most distilled level, at the atomic level, God is love. If you say, I love God, totally. I get God at that level. I've experienced God at that level. But then you go and you do not extend. You do not become that to everyone that you come in contact with. You're a liar. You've never met God. You can't possibly love him. Scripture says you cannot love God. And that's the standard, right? Like the standard is that if I've met Jesus, then everybody's life should matter. That injustice at any point is just injustice, period. Not if they have a criminal record, not if they have a past, you know, arrest record. Not. No, like we, it's an odd thing to me that we can't just grieve the loss of life, that we have to justify and put someone in the, like, it's just sad. That like, can, can you just say it's just sad? It's, it's sad that someone's son is gone, that they were taken from them. Because the reality is, guys, it's completely possible. For police to detain someone, to disarm them without killing them. Like, that's a reality. If nothing else, the shooting in Parkland has reiterated that for me. It is completely possible to take someone who has killed other people into custody alive and keep them alive. Like, that's just a thing. But we see over and over, Black people, whether they are compliant or not, end up shot and killed by police officers. And and it shouldn't happen. And it should be completely possible for believers to say, hmm, I see it happening. I see safe, you know, a safe detaining of this group, but not this group. That's wrong. You should just be able to say that it's wrong, period. You know, the fact that um, we employ our voice, our efforts, our energies for some people and not others is wrong. It just is. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 it just lays out this is what love is. But at the end of that verse, it's saying, like, hey, if, if you can prophesy, if you can speak to a mountain and it jumps into the sea, cool, cool. If you don't have love, you're nothing. Not again, this, this priority placed on your religion, the, the, the legitimacy of your religion at base level. If it does not have this building block, if that is not the foundation, good luck. I don't know what you got, but you don't, you don't got belief in jesus you know um your religion is a farce if at the foundational level it's not built on love it's not motivated by love um and so we as believers as a body believers really have to check ourselves like do, do gay lives matter to us because they should they matter to jesus because he died for them you know um do refugee lives matter because they should Because Jesus loves they are image bearers. Jesus died for them. If they repent and turn from their sin, if they're not believers, because being a refugee does not make you a sinner. um, But if if they're not believers, if they love the Lord, they're your brother and sister in Christ. So like, hmm, you know, we have to really like, are we about what we say we're about or is our religion a farce? And this isn't necessarily, again, an indictment. It just might be an assessment for you. It might be a moment where you're like, hmm. Why does, why does the phrase Black Lives Matter upset me if I can so easily then pick up Blue Lives Matter? Like, consider that. When that happened, were you one of the people that said Blue Lives Matter, but you have an issue with Black Lives Matter? Because it's not that you don't understand the meaning. It may just be that there's something in you that's not okay with saying that these particular lives matter. And, you know, honesty is the, my, my pastor just said this, honesty is the prerequisite to breakthrough. I have seen that in my spiritual life. I know that to be true for any sort of personal growth and development I've done. I, I just, it's true. And so we cannot be so afraid of the truth about ourselves, um, that it keeps us from moving forward. Um, you know, one of the really, um, sort of difficult things about discriminate compassion, is that it is in direct contradiction with any profession of faith that we make. You know, for us to say, again, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, but we are not for the sanctity of life from, you know, the uterus to the grave, depending on if it's black or gay or refugee or immigrant, it's problematic, you know? And we have to really look at the health of our, of our salvation, at the health of our relationship to the Lord. Like, okay, Jesus, this is the standard, but this is where I am. Hmm these two are not matching up help me close that distance in that gap um and and for for plenty of, i mean i was talking I, I was talking to this um this friend of mine i consider her a friend in the kind of wokeness of life um but she's white and you know she's telling she's talking to me about sort of the challenges of being a white person and being aware of racial inequality because it's not and it's not where you live as a white person. It's really kind of, you're inoculated, you know, um, white supremacy is in the air. <laughs> it's in the air that you breathe, it's in the water that you drink. So you're not really aware of it because it's just always there. Um, but that it takes exposure. It takes being in places where you listen to voices that, to people and voices that don't sound or look like you. Um, it, it takes this intentionality. But I think as as Christians, even there's even more, um, importance, there's even more urgency because we're supposed to be like, like God in the earth. You know, we are supposed to look like Jesus. And what concerns me is that yet again, there are these people, these godless people that lead a movement that we Christian believers, people that represent God should be leading, you know, and so. While the world gets again to say those Christians, they're hypocritical. Like, no, they don't believe in, you know, they don't believe in equality for these people. They don't think these people should have protections. They don't think this group of people shouldn't have to worry about their life and livelihood being threatened. Like, that's a problem, y'all. We're making Jesus look bad. Whereas we're supposed to be these shining beacons of light in a dark world. We look like we don't know who we are, that we don't know who we're supposed to represent. And so when it comes to racial inequality, it exists because sin exists, but the church should not be an accomplice and should not be a silent supporter of the inequality and of the machine that makes inequality possible and profitable. Like that is not who we're supposed to be. Um, and so it, it takes soul searching y'all to sit down and go, you know, am I complicit? (laughs) You know, am I part of the problem? Am I part of the system? You know, it it, it's just it takes intentionality and i I understand that it's uncomfortable um but people are dying you know lives are being ripped apart and destroyed so you got to take the uncomfortability because we're not called to comfort also by the way as believers that's not like to this we were not called we were not necessarily called to comfort um but we are called to represent Christ and representing Christ means that we advocate for the trampled on the unwanted, the oppressed, you know, we can't be sitting in wealth and freedom and ease. Um, while someone else who looks different than us, whose chains are different than us suffers, like it's not, it's not representative of our Christ. Um, and if we are comfortable in that place, we really do have to sit down and sort of do a a health check on, on, on the, on the legitimacy of our faith. Um, so I appeal to you. I appeal to my white, my black, my evangelical Protestant Bible-believing Christians. You know we have to do better. The world cannot leave the move, lead the movement in the sanctity of all life. That's just unacceptable. As believers, as little Christians in the earth, as bright lights, as lampstands on a bright on a hilltop, like we absolutely should be leading the movement and championing champ pianing um the sanctity of life for brown people for black people for refugees for immigrants um for you know gay people for les for the other because the other is our neighbor and so if we don't know if we don't love um our neighbor as we love ourselves we are not fulfilling we're, we're, we've not brought to full maturity the love of god we've not seen the love of god be made fully mature in us and we're stifling that so I just encourage you guys, take some time this week, really consider, you know, what what shadows, what prejudices might be lurking in your heart that make this possible, that make inequality possible at the micro level where you are, where you live. Um, and so again, you know, this is not an indictment. It's, a, it's an assessment. It's a time for us to sit back as a body of believers, as people who should be um, flagships for for love, for the love of Christ, to kind of look at. Okay. Have have we, have we walked on the other side of the road when we saw a people group battered and left on the side of the road? So um, I just really, I challenge you guys to do that this week. I challenge you to take some time and really think about the times, think about if you have been the Levite, the priest, um, and then what, what needs to happen for you to be the Samaritan to love well, the least of these, because God is in and is for the least of these. So you can take your seat belts off now. We're going to pull into the driveway. Hope it wasn't too bumpy. Um but I um I love you guys, and because I love you, I I challenge us to be better. Um like I said, I don't know if I said this before, but I I wasn't always like, yeah, we should be for the people who aren't us, you know. Um, that took learning and that took revelation and that took me being honest and getting in the scriptures and seeing what God's heart was for the other, for the least of these. Um, so I encourage you guys to do that. It's an awesome day because God made it and you're in it. And so um, boss out this week, be cognizant, be conscious, be aware, be woke. <laughs> um, and we'll pick this up next week. So love you guys. Be amazing. Bye.